Good evening, welcome to Left, Right and Center. I'm Vishnu Shom on the program tonight amidst a tense standoff between the government and farmers. The Samyukt Kisan Morcha, that's an umbrella organization of farmer unions, not directly linked to those leading this round of protests, has rejected a five-year contract to buy three types of pulses, maize and cotton at the old minimum support price. The SKM on Monday evening, today evening, criticized the proposal as diverting the focal demands of farmers and insisted on nothing less than the purchase of all crops with guaranteed procurement as promised in the BJP manifesto before the 2014 general election. Swabi essentially back to square one on the show tonight, a deep dive into the minimum support price issue and a hunt for solutions that make sense. And at half past the hour, a new study by the Christian Medical College in Vellore has startling statistical data on the impact of long COVID on Indians, much worse in India than in other parts of the world. We'll be joined by one of the authors of the report and also Dr. Soumya Swaminathan to try and understand what the data says. But first, amidst a tense standoff between the government and farmers, the Samyuk Kisan Murcha, one of the unions um, involved in these, process, in these protests, though not directly linked, has rejected a five-year contract to buy three types of pulses, maize and cotton at the old minimum support price. This was one among a series of steps which had been suggested by the government. जो वाटर टेबल बहुत नीचे गया है उसके कारण क्रॉप डाइवर्सिफिकेशन अति आवश्यक है क्रॉप डाइवर्सिफिकेशन से देश में अगर दलहन बने तो देश का आयात भी कम होता है देश का उपभोक्ताओं की जरूरतें भी पूरी की जा सकती हैं पंजाब का पानी भी बचेगा किसानों की आमदनी में भी अच्छी मात्रा में वृद्धि हो सकती है तो हमने एक प्रस्ताव आज चर्चा किया है कि सरकार की प्रमोटेड जो कोऑपरेटिव सोसाइटीज हैं चाहे वो एनसीसीएफओ नेशनल कंज्यूमर कोऑपरेटिव फेडरेशन नेफेड पांच साल के लिए एक कॉन्ट्रैक्ट करके एनसीसीएफ और नेफेड गारंटी करेगा कि अगले पांच साल तक जो भी क्रॉप डाइवर्सिफाई करके ये चार प्रोडक्ट्स बनाएगा चार उत्पादन खेती के करेगा उसको ये संस्थाएं एमएसपी पर खरीदेगी कोई क्वांटिटी की लिमिट नहीं होगी as the political stalemate over farmers' unions, Delhi Chalo March continues, a ray of hope emerged after government offered a new proposal on crop diversification to the protesting farmers of the farmers' unions. Center proposed that cooperative societies like NAFED and NCCF could enter into a five-year contract with farmers opting for crop diversification by growing pulses, maize and cotton in place of paddy, guaranteeing to purchase the produce at the MSP rate. In an exclusive interview to NDTV, India's leading agricultural scientist and director of Indian Council of Agricultural Research Dr. A.K. Singh said 
crop diversification is the answer to challenges paddy farmers are facing in Punjab, Haryana and other states. It takes a lot of water, 3,000 litres of water per kilogram of rice produced mm. and that has led to depletion of water table in Punjab from say 10 metres in 1970 to almost 20-25 metres in 2023. In addition to that, transplanting at such is a very costly operation which takes about 3,000 rupees per acre. Crop diversification becomes extremely important. Dr. E.K. Singh argues that growing pulses is a good option for paddy farmers too. The director further said that growing maize at a large scale, like paddy, could help boost bioethanol production in the country and also help attain the ethanol blending target of 20% by 2025. What are the diversification options that are available for farmers mm. among the first and foremost is maize. So when it comes to bioethanol production from maize, appropriate infrastructure and I think it's the public uh, private partnership, uh, private investment, etc. will come and people will come with this infrastructure to, uh, you know, use. For now, the stalemate continues as the protesting farmers have rejected the government proposal as they insist on their central demand of a legally guaranteed MSP for all crops. Bureau Report, NDTV. Well, farmers' unions have absolutely rejected all the proposals made by the centre. Is it back to square one? And will we now see many more protests? Joining us now, Anil Ghanwat, a member of the Supreme Court-appointed Committee on Farm Laws, Yogendra Yadav, uh, Ravneet Brar, member of the SKM and farmer leader, and Prakash Chandra Sharma, former vice president of the Kisan Morcha uh, BJP. Thank you all very much for being with us. Yogendra Ji, let me come to you first. Uh, one of the basic points that's often been raised is that uh, an MSP for all crops backed by the law and a central guarantee would essentially be ruinous for the economy. How, how would you respond to that? Uh, Vishnu, it depends on what we consider to be the economy. I presume that people of this country, their well-being, their household income, their ability to live decent life is Indian economy. Unless we all believe that Indian economy is only what the corporates do, what the share market does, unless we subscribe to that silly view. I really do think that uh, something that benefits 54% of this population cannot possibly be ruinous. Uh, and Vishnu, uh, I think by now, the one good thing about this MSP debate in the country is that some of the lies of the government have been so convincingly refuted and some by leading journalists. This whole stupid and complete third-rate fear-mongering that it would cost 10 lakh rupees, that has been completely busted. 10 lakh crore so, rupees, yeah. Uh, 10 lakh crore rupees. I mean, this was a stupid idea. And how the government thought it could get away with such lies. Uh, anyway, let me focus on the real issue, Vishnu. Uh, let's imagine a very simple situation. There is a factory where workers go on strike. They say, give me more wages and limit my working hours. And let us say the management says, all right, we are considering your demand. And after considering their demand, the management says, we have decided to open a gym. That's very good for your health. And if the workers say, but what about wages? They would say, don't you want a gym? So you're saying that they're idea. diverting the issue. That's the point you're making. That's, so in a sense, that's exactly what the government has done. The government yeah. believes as if the farmers came to them asking for a solution of diversification. That's not what the farmers came for. Farmers had very simple demand. They wanted 
MSP not to be discretion based, but to be law based. Number right. two, they wanted the current MSP calculation to be based on Swaminathan Commission formula. Number three, they wanted it to be universalized. The government offer has nothing to do with the farmers, what the farmers demanded. So I'll be surprised. Okay, just one second. Uh, Prakash Chandra Sharma, uh, would you like to respond to that and also to the point, Yogendra disagrees completely that it might be financially perilous for us as a country to legally back MSPs. Uh, Vishnu, uh, three, four things are quite clear. I don't think uh, like how uh, Mr. Yogendra Yadav is saying on that, uh, maybe like he has some political agendas behind it, might be. But one thing is very clear, we all will learn it together. Agriculture is a very complex subject in India. And in past, we have seen from the independence time till now, what is happening, how is happening in this particular government, how we have made the basic infrastructure clear out of it. That's number one. Number two, we can't avoid the challenges what we are facing today now. And in futuristic, what we will face it now. So the measure is there, the climate change. The ground water concern where the drinking water, industry water, every water is concerned because uh, giving the proper water to every citizen is quite concerned things. So whatever government is proposing, so uh, there there lot lot of logic behind it, lot of uh, lot of research behind it, and that is the reason he, you know this crop diversifications what government is proposing right now. So the reason is there that one, the government wants to make the country self-sufficient, self-reliance on this uh, particular, uh, you can say the pulses part where the lot of import bills we are paying outside in the dollars. So it is getting impact our overall economy. Okay. Apart from that, the, you know, this uh, particular, the climate change impact, what we are seeing right now, the groundwater uh, conditions, what we right now, and the sustainable agriculture, sustainable environment is the key concern as of now. So one by one, government is trying to address all the things and this particular concern, because this is a particular, all the, you know, the people, the leader, the agriculture leaders sitting over there. So they just want to satisfy their present ego, but they can't avoid the futuristic part. That is the reason they have taken the two Okay, so the government looking at a large, uh, you know, a bunch of issues in the environment. I don't think nobody can dispute that. Uh, but Mr. Ghanbhar, let me ask you this. You know, it's been, what, uh, six decades? No, it's been five decades after... MSP became, you know, an expectation in this country. The procurement operations for two crops are essentially limited to a couple of states, to just a few states. Now, the government, it is argued, simply will not have or does not have the capacity to put something in place for across the country. If we are to guarantee an MSP legally, right, it's, it's just not possible to spend the money, procure these crops, and guarantee an MSP it, as a task, it's almost impossible. Is there any validity in this argument? Of course, it's literally impossible to procure uh, all the commodities that are produced by the farmers at a legal guarantee. Because legal guarantee means no private player or a trader will be able to purchase like, any commodity under the MSP rates. So what will happen is that whenever the prices of a certain commodity falls below MSP and there is no demand uh, uh, for the commodity ahead, then the uh, trader won't buy it and he'll say that it's an offense to uh, procure uh, below MSP or buy below MSP. So go wherever you go, wherever you want to go and the government uh, won't be in a position to procure all that is uh, under MSP. And the demand is that for all the crops. Today here in Maharashtra, the methi you call fenugreek, 
it is selling at three to four bundles for ten rupees. So that's below below MSP. And if that is the case, and government or uh, the trader doesn't buy it, and the government has to buy it, then what will he do with that produce? So this is going to be a question. I am not uh, agreeing with the figure of ten lakh crore rupees. That's uh, I don't think it will cost that much. But handling all this issue will be a great uh, thing for uh, the okay. government. The okay, basic, just half a second. Yogendra ji wants to reply. Yogendra ji, go ahead. I'm really sorry to hear such complete distortion of what the farmers are demanding. Let me clarify again and again. We have clarified that we do not want either of the two things which Mr. Anil Gandhi is talking about. We do not believe that actually simply making a law and making any trade below MSP illegal is a solution. No, sir. This will drive all the trade into black market. We know it. This has happened. We don't want it. That's not the solution. That's not what we are asking for. And number two, pro government procuring all the 23 crops, all the stock of it. No, we do not want it. We have repeatedly clarified that what we have in mind is a fairly sophisticated version. It's a doable version. What we want is a bouquet of policies all of which will ensure that the farmer receives the money doesn't mean the government pays it what we have in mind are four things number one more procurement than is being done currently not all slightly more especially in the case of dal and uh, and oil seeds now besides uh, the kind of crops you are the government is speaking about number two a very active and re and well funded market intervention scheme Number three, export-import policy to be oriented for the benefit of farmers. And number four, a deficit payment as and when, despite all the first three attempts, the prices fall below the MSP, then deficit payment. You don't need to purchase. You don't need to stock. I know there are inefficiencies. Farmers don't want to burden the government with all these things. What we want, legal guarantee of MSP means that the government of India does not simply declare its support, but actually comes to the support of the farmer and farmers receive what the government announces, okay. mostly receives from the market All right. or in the nature of deficit payment. Okay. So please I, I get that. to a the sensible payment proposal. has to be right yeah. to the farmer is, is, is critical. I just wanted to go across to Ravneet Brar, a member of the SK. Mr. Brar, the other aspect of this is that... Um, if there is a legal guarantee of MSP, if there is more production, where does one store it? Because as of, what, April 2021, the Food Corporation of India, other state agencies, a report I read said, had about 818 lakh uh, tons. But the total stock just of rice, wheat, uh, paddy and coarse grain is almost 890 lakh tons. So there's not even enough capacity. What will you do with increased production? Where does it all go? Uh, thank you so much, Vishnuji. Uh, let me uh, start with one thing. Uh, se gaye the, par ke ke patake le jao. So there is a lot of difference. The uh, one we are asking and what they are giving. So it's a lot of difference. Because if stock is a lot of difference, US and other countries are not going to be able to Punjab or Haryana. Second thing, हमारा stock सबसे कम है 2017 के बाद आज जो FCI के पास stock है National Reserve वो सबसे कम है food grains का. And third thing, अगर आप मैं आपको एक छोटी सी example देता हूँ, 
अगर हमने मानिए सौ के जी कोई चीज प्रोड्यूस कर ली पर मार्केट में उसकी जो मार्केट है सिर्फ नब्बे किलो की है तो ऊपर वाला दस किलो सरकार बाय करके अपने पास स्टोर नहीं कर सकती इससे क्या होगा मार्केट प्राइस दोबारा से वही आ जाएगा प्राइवेट आके उसमें बाय कर सकता है तो इसमें सरकार जब उसका ऑफ सीजन आएगा तो उसको उसी उसी प्राइस पे सेल कर देगी क्योंकि ऑफ सीजन में प्राइस फिर से बढ़ जाता है सो so, इसमें पॉलिसीज कंसर्न है विष्णु जी प्रॉब्लम इन कंट्री लाइक इंडिया नो नो वॉट वॉट आई एम टेलिंग कि इसमें अगर हम ऐसी पॉलिसीज लेके आएंगे ना देखिए जैसे जोगिंदर सर ने बोला कि इंपोर्ट एक्सपोर्ट पॉलिसीज चाहिए भुवंतर भुगतान की पॉलिसीज चाहिए जैसे हरियाणा और एमपी कर रहा था थोड़ा थोड़ा किया इन्होंने उसमें क्या है कि अगर देर इज अ डेफिशियट पेमेंट दे कैन ऑलवेज फिल दी गैप अगर किसान को एक रुपए चाहिए उसको मार्केट से सौ मिल रहा है तो दस रुपए सरकार अपनी तरफ से डाल नहीं सकती अगर वन सेकेंड वन सेकेंड आई आई टेक दैट प्रकाश चंद्र शर्मा द अदर पॉइंट विच इज ऑफन रेज इज दैट लेट इज इवन अज्यूम दैट द गवर्नमेंट हैज द कैपेसिटी और अक्वायर्स द कैपेसिटी टू बिल्ड वॉट एंड विल दैट सर्व सी एग्जैक्टली विष्णु आई वॉज जस्ट कमिंग टू दैट सी रीजन बींग फॉर दैट पर्टिकुलर पर्पज डाउन द लाइन ईयर ऑन ईयर वी शुड एवेलुएट द डेटा कि ईयर ऑन ईयर हाउ गवर्नमेंट इज प्रोक्यूरिंग द थिंग्स एंड हाउ गवर्नमेंट इज क्रिएटिंग द इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर it's not a nightmare ki like in a one day we will create all the things and it will happen one things that's number one number two answer the reply to the mr yogendra yadav and mr barad also we should understand ki why they are focusing on the paddy and this uh, particular wheat why not about the other crop and the other farmers of the country because government has a comprehensive approach they should look about all the people so why the policy should come for all the people they are just talking about the fci let me tell you the nafed and nccf is procuring all the dal all the concerned things and they are just distributing it so you can see the market flow whatever the demand supply gap is there the demand supply we should know, you have to relate with the production even the farmer uh, the farmers particular into the punjab and those regions if they are just doing in a particular part they are not only harming the environment and they are doing the other so so whatever the government is telling right now that is totally based on the scientific things and we should should all sit together and should decide it it's not a one day affair we cannot go and say government has to do this government also need to look about the other farmers who are from the other states what the ground reality over there because we just want to create india as a country as a food production hub to supply the worldwide the world economic change is getting disturbed due to the geopolitical situation okay, so okay. agriculture is the biggest arm to us to you know support the world and lead the world so we should do in a very prospective manner in a bigger manner apart from that what the rule they are talking about even we will see in the market the wheat you the millers are purchasing on the higher side they are supplying on the higher side so if they are selling on that particular part and through technology government is providing a lot of things where the transparency is coming just by creating a law and satisfying few people's mindset will not work over here okay oh, you mean that point you can let me come to you one second one second sir one second sir i've got i'll try and take two more comments yogendra ji you've not spoken about the environment the groundwater over exploitation uh fertility of the soil going down plateauing yields etc etc this is a crisis in the punjab and haryana of course vishnu allow me to say uh, that uh, like the other two gentlemen you are also confusing the issues vishnu uh, number one let us get it absolutely clear i have spoken that in english should i repeat that in hindi as well asking for legal guarantee of msp does not mean physical procurement of all crops can we get it clear 
तो यू किप्स वॉकिंग अबाउट स्टॉक कहां करेंगे क्या करेंगे अरे बाबा मैं कह रहा हूं खरीदने की जरूरत नहीं है माई फ्रेंड ब्राड साहब हैज एक्सप्लेन बेटर इकोनॉमिक्स देन एनी वन एज यू ओनली नीड टू पिक जस्ट फाइव टू टेन परसेंट ऑफ एनी क्रॉप to bring the prices down this is exactly what cotton corporation does in the language of economics because its elasticity is very high and just minor overproduction can cause huge drop in prices the government has to pick only tiny slight bit number 2 did you hear deficiency payment deficiency payment does not involve the government procuring and storing one iota one grain at all please get it out of your mind and number 2 environment absolutely this is the most important concern and you know what is the best solution for the environmental crisis for overproduction of paddy and wheat in haryana and punjab can i tell you a solution yes the solution is msp guarantee across 23 crops vishnu the real problem is the government says 23 crops msp then they purchase only two crops so if you were a farmer vishnu which crops will you grow you will grow exactly those two crops and they are called paddy and wheat tomorrow if you start offering farmers msp which the government is now offering only for five commodities only to punjab and haryana farmers you start giving msp to all 23 crops farmers are not fools unko paisa milna shuru hoga punjab ka farmer kyon makki nahi ugayega bhai wo chana kyon nahi ugayega haryana mein to hame chawal khana aata nahi hai hum bechare kham ka kyon chawal paida kar rahe hain kyunki chaat paisa milta hai iske yogendra ji one sec anil ghanwat is msp a solution to the over exploitation of soil fertility depletion groundwater going away uh, is msp no. a way around this because no no msp can't be a solution for that and if i heard right in the introductory note you had shown today the skm leaders were saying that we need msp guarantee for all the crops and mr yogendra yadav has limited his demand to 23 crops only i am an no, 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 no. farmer please stop why... distorting what i'm saying please stop distorting said, i'm simply saying you you say 23 crops ganbat saab please itna distort mat kijiye main is show pe hu mere ko apni baat apne muh se bolne dijiye i said to begin huh? with 23 that the government is announcing aapko samajh nahi aati meri baat so mr ganbat the point taken go ahead mr ganbat yeah so what will uh, happen is that uh, the concern the point concern now is about depletion of water and environmental concerns yogendra uh, yadav is right that he says that if you are going to procure only two crops there is going to be uh, demand for sowing only two crops but if we are going to procure all these crops then the question arises about the food security because if only one degree temperature rises and the the production drops in india there is a uh, instant uh, export ban and uh, stock limits are uh, imposed on the commodity then how if the punjab farmers are going to be diverted to other crops what about wheat and rice what about the ps uh, pds and what about the food security of india so this is going to be an issue once again because this year we are facing that issue and what these people are demanding is like yeah, amputate our legs and give us clutches because this year if there would have been an export ban the punjab farmers would have uh, got at least 1000 rupees per quintal the production of wheat in punjab is 170 lakh tons per year so that means that punjab farmers have lost 70 17000 crore rupees 
in one year in one crop the similar calculation is about v2 the total agriculture budget in punjab is 13400 crores see the amount the farmers are losing the uh, three laws that were uh, brought in by the government they would have given uh, that uh, uh, freedom to the farmers to export their commodity because they were, these commodities were removed from All the right. essential commodities so that's a larger right. issue and we need to revisit those farm laws perhaps yes, at yes. some stage but for now um, you know there is a chance of this protest continuing for a while the farmers at least some unions amongst them have completely rejected the government's proposals um, we're going to take a short break i'd like to thank my panelists very much for being with us coming up after that we're going to be looking at um, a startling report it's an indian report on long covid statistically backed with data uh, and how we in india have been impacted by long covid more than people in other parts of the world that's coming Well joining us now a very special guest Dr Soumya Swaminathan who's with the World Health Organization as a principal scientist looking uh, at at everything about um, you know the science and the research which emerged uh, out of covid thank you ma'am very much for being with us you had a look at this report uh, the CMC report indicates that Indians are impacted more by long covid than people in different parts of the world why is this the case well uh, firstly just uh, a little bit about the study um that you referred to it was done at the christian medical college um uh, it was a follow up of people who were uh, admitted during the first wave of covid and the median time that had elapsed between their discharge and when they were studied was about i think 65 days or so so it was quite soon after recovery it was about 2 to 3 months after recovery and it was a one time assessment and basically what it showed is that uh, the diffusion capacity of the lung was significantly Uh, impaired i mean it was abnormal in about 45% of people uh, which means that certainly their lungs had been damaged uh, but there there hasn't been a longer term follow up uh, of these people uh, most of the studies of long covid you know have uh, followed people out over 6 months 12 months and even longer than that to really know how many people are uh, continue to suffer from uh, from uh, the uh, long term after effects or sequela So it's clear that there is a percentage of people mm-hmm. say around 10%, 10 to 20% in, in various studies. So it's very hard to compare what they've done at 2 months with other studies that have looked at different uh, over different periods of time. But having said that, I think the one thing that uh, is true is that uh, Indians have a very high rate of comorbidities. And I think even in their study something like 70% of people had comorbidities. and we know that that's associated with uh, more severe illness but it's also probably contributing you know to a higher probability of having these uh, long term respiratory uh, problems so that could be part of the reason but i think we need much more data on long covid from india before we can um, conclude that indians have a higher you know prevalence of long covid than than other populations 44% of patients show adverse impact of lung functioning per this uh, report how do comorbidities also impact the lungs yes i mean there are some comorbidities that can certainly affect lung function i mean diabetes has you know widespread um impacts on the microvasculature on the small blood vessels but the other major comorbidity could be and i think we'll have to look into more details into the patient profile could be uh, smoking for one and people exposed to other uh, 
pollutants, you know, whether it's indoor household air pollution because of biomass being used for cooking or whether it is air pollution externally, which many of us are exposed to now. And, um, you know, those could all be contributing to uh, the underlying respiratory issues that could have been uh, exacerbated by COVID. So I think in general, that comorbidities do contribute to having various kinds of post-COVID syndromes, including respiratory problems. And ma'am, statistically, what is data from other international surveys showing on the impact of, uh, of long COVID? So some of the risk factors for long COVID, of course, are having very severe disease initially. Though overall, if you look at numbers, the numbers of people who have long COVID come more from the mild group because many more millions of people had mild rather than severe COVID. So in terms of proportion, many more people from mild COVID have, have the post-COVID syndrome. Then if you've had repeated infections, more chances of having uh, these symptoms. If you've not been vaccinated, more chances of having symptoms. And in some studies, poverty has been associated also with a higher uh, proportion. Perhaps they attributed to the fact that there was those people did not have enough time to take rest and maybe they didn't get adequate care also. The use of antivirals like Paxlovid at the time of having COVID is associated with a lower uh, frequency of having uh, long COVID. In terms of what lies behind this, what's the pathology, there are still many hypotheses or theories around. None of them have been conclusively proved. Some suggest that there's persistent virus maybe in the gut. And so a bit of antigen keeps you know, getting released into the blood. Some studies suggest it's an autoimmune phenomenon, that there are autoantibodies that get generated, especially in people who don't have a good initial immune response to the uh, infection. And others have suggested that there, there are other inflammatory pathways which get activated. But clearly, COVID is associated with inflammation uh, that causes a lot of the acute damage and potentially it could cause some of this long-term damage as well. Practically every organ in the uh, body has been found to be affected. So COVID wasn't just a respiratory virus, but it had these effects on the cardiovascular system. So we've seen this increasing risk of heart attacks in people who've recovered from COVID. It causes more diabetes compared to people who have not had COVID. Neurological problems, you know, they found a higher incidence of not only depression and anxiety, but also some cognitive impairment, kidney problems, um, and then this chronic fatigue syndrome, which of course has been reported previously, you know, after other viral infections, and we still, scientists still don't know what causes that chronic fatigue syndrome. As far as treatment, there are some clinical trials going on, but there, because we don't know the exact uh, mechanism and pathogenesis, there's no specific treatment for uh, long COVID, but uh, of course you can treat the symptoms based on which you know, organ system is impacted. And there are there is a need for more trials, uh, both to find biomarkers that can tell if you know somebody has this long COVID or not. Uh, at the moment, there's no particular blood test to tell you whether you're suffering from long COVID. So we need more research on biomarkers. We also need more clinical trials uh, and long-term follow-up studies, especially in different populations. Like you asked the question about Indians, um, ICMR is you know following mm -hmm. up some cohorts. Other uh, other medical colleges are doing so. We need more of that data to come out. 
Right, ma'am. Thank you very much for speaking to us, uh, Dr. Swamia Swaminathan, and telling us about uh, you know the impact and what these results in these uh, in these studies are now indicating. Thank you very much indeed. A new study by the Christian Medical College, Velour, has some fairly important data coming in on the impact of long COVID on Indians uh, and how COVID has actually impacted Indians in a way, uh, perhaps in a more severe way uh, than in many cases in this trial, uh, than people in China or in parts of Europe. Joining us to talk about this, Dr. DJ Christopher, one of the authors uh, of this report, Professor of Pulmonary Medicine at the Christian Medical College in Velour, also joined by Dr. Sunila Garg and Dr. Sudarshan Balal, all experts in this field. Um, Dr. Christopher, let me come to you first. Why? It's a basic question. Are Indians perhaps more predisposed to having a long-term impact of COVID than people in other parts of the world? Or is that assumption correct? Yeah, I think it's correct, but I would just step back and say that uh, this study was done during the first phase of COVID uh, with, the, uh, with some information that the previous SARS-CoV-2, that is SARS-CoV-2-1, which occurred 15 years before the uh, SARS-CoV-2, which we are very familiar with, and MERS-CoV left the lung with some scars that perhaps did not go away. So this is the basis for our study and so we evaluated uh, a series of patients and did detailed lung functions and their walking capacity, quality of life and so on. So what startled us was the fact that uh, sensitive lung function tests showed that 44% had an impairment of their lung function. Uh, so that was the startling finding and 35% had what is called a restricted effect which essentially means that the lung doesn't inflate to normal capacity and we know that will impact patients ability to work and also 8% had what is called obstructive ventilatory defect which is really a obstruction to the passage of uh, air into the lungs so this this was a summary of the impairments we saw on the indian population and this is higher than any study published uh, the studies done were in Europe and in China uh, and we compared the results and it appears that we have had it worse than them. Dr. Garga, you would have gone through this report. Uh, again, the basic question, are Indians necessarily more predisposed? See, primarily it's a very, very important question because we see, you know, Indians are more predisposed, but uh, as we can see that, you know, when we start, went through the whole period of COVID, what we realized was, you know, in terms of presentation of symptoms, it was lung function tests, you know, which are more impaired and also during the course of time, what we realized was respiratory symptoms were most predominant and still also when we are studying, we did one study in Delhi also, which we have recently completed on long-term COVID. That means follow-up from four weeks, four to eight weeks and eight weeks onwards. What we are seeing that, you know, that respiratory symptoms are much more common, lung impairment is much more common and definitely we are much more prone for respiratory infections right from our birth. So that's where as has been mentioned, you know, uh, that, you know, there has, is prevalence of lung scarring and all that. So that also, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, that makes it more, you know, kind of this study to have presentation of more respiratory system uh, symptoms as compared to other countries. Dr. Balal, you know, the report itself focuses on a small group in the initial phase of the, uh, of the outbreak. But 
just in terms of your own clinical experience in dealing with, with patients over a longer period of time, it's been a couple of years since the worst of COVID. Uh, we do know, of course, that it's here to stay, it appears. Um, you know, what are some of the long-term, long COVID symptoms that you see most commonly? Uh, good evening, uh, Vishnu. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, the devastating once-in-a-lifetime uh, pandemic of COVID sort of shook the medical world and the citizens of this world. And we initially thought it was just a one-time respiratory illness. However, we know that COVID is here to stay. And now there's this elegant study from CMC Bellore, which proves that Indians, unfortunately, are more prone. And uh, I would like to add one more reason other than the panelists that have already given. I think in Indians inherently have less lung capacity, almost a third of less capacity than the Caucasians. And that may be one reason that we have less reserve. The same thing is true in many other organ systems in India, which means you need less of a damage to sort of tilt you over the hill. The second thing is we have chronic pollution, chronic inflammatory state, maybe genetically pre more predisposed. And certainly there are more comorbidities in this group of patients like diabetes and hypertension. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why we saw more lung damage, lung fibrosis, obstructive lung disease, so on and so forth. The symptoms of long COVID that we see, uh, one of the very common symptoms is very non-specific. People are dull, sort of out of uh, sorts, not feeling up to it, uh, confused state. This has been going on for a long time. We certainly have seen the lung symptoms and diseases that uh, the panelists have mentioned. A very increased incidence of coronary artery disease, strokes, so on and so forth is something that we have seen. So I think COVID has manifested in multiple ways, not only in the acute stage, but also is here to stay as long COVID. Dr. Christopher, what was the breakup of the sample? Uh, men, women, ages, what could you share with us? Uh, so, the total sample was 207. Uh, it was uh, slightly uh, more male population. I think about 60 or 65 percent were males. Uh, and, you know, for any study where people volunteer, yeah, you would probably have more males than others. Otherwise, it covered the entire spectrum of patients from 17 years of age all the way through to perhaps 80 years of age. So, we had the entire age spectrum of patients. I just want to uh, concur with the previous speaker that, uh, you know, there are several uh, ex likely explanations of why Indians had it worse. Uh, in particular, in this study, we showed that the Indian population had a phenomenally high degree of comorbidities. We had 72% of our study population with comorbidities, diabetes being the highest in 38%, hypertension 33% and chronic respiratory disease 29%. So we had a population that was uh, inherently more unwell. And so it is conceivable that they may have worse damage uh, due to the COVID. Um, Dr. Garg, here's a basic question. And it's simple, but I think a lot of people would want to know. How would you respond to somebody who says, if I have diabetes, why should that necessarily affect my lungs? See, primarily when you have any of the comorbidities, any infection, and particularly this SARS-CoV-2, when we are talking of, this was severe acute respiratory infection, which was predominantly affecting lungs. So any of the comorbidities, you know, 
is going to change the spectrum of the disease, whether it is SARS-CoV-2 or any other infection. Particularly in this case, when we were looking at, you know, SARS-CoV-2 infection, so that is bound to get exacerbated because of the presence of diabetes and diabetes and hypertension both. And we all know that, you know, now India is a diabetic capital of the world. So, you know, all the infections, they manifest in a much more, you know, I'll say that severer form as compared to, you know, the... Uh, if you don't have any comorbidities and that's why government of India stressed on the vaccinations of elderlies and also people, younger people with comorbidities also. Elder people in any case are having much more comorbidities as compared to younger ones. But now with the changing spectrum, you know, of the population and demographic divide and stress and strain within the population levels, we know that younger people are also getting diabetes and hypertension comparatively at a much younger age as compared to, you know, earlier times. Uh, Dr. Balal, would you like to add to that, that, you know, it's not, it's, it's an assumption to say that only those beyond a certain age uh, are, are more susceptible to the impacts of long COVID. In fact, um, a lot of people across sexes and across the age spectrum are equally vulnerable. Is that correct? Uh, yes, even though it's probably a little more in the elderly population now because they have more comorbidities. I would like to add a couple of things about diabetes. We, people generally think uh, diabetes is just a problem with the sugar. That's not true. It's a systemic disease of metabolism and affects all the blood vessels. And interestingly, COVID also is known to affect blood vessels. The second thing is diabetes uh, makes you more prone for infections. And one evidence of this was the devastating black fungus or mucormycosis infection we had during COVID. So I think there are many reasons why people with diabetes are more prone for any other effects of other diseases. And I'm sure that probably has contributed some to the long COVID effects in diabetic and hypertensive patients. Interestingly, I think there is some suggestion that COVID also might induce diabetes. Uh, there were there suggestions that there was increased number of uh, diabetes in uh, patients with COVID. COVID is a very funny virus. I mean, it's not like the usual virus that only affects the respiratory system. It has multitude of effects. It has vascular effects where you have heart attacks, strokes, gangrene of the intestines, uh, amputations, requiring amputations for people with peripheral vascular disease. It reduces the immunity. It induces diabetes and does a whole host of things. So I think it's a very, very different virus. Um, Dr. Christopher, um how uh, do the results of, of your study compare with other studies uh, elsewhere in the world? How is it different in terms of long COVID and data? Yeah, so we were really looking at lung health in the context of, uh, if you would call it long COVID. We were looking at residual lung damage, with, which may, you know, kind of continue forever. So comparison with other data, we... We found that, uh, as I said earlier, the impact of on lung function was in 44% of the population, whereas a meta-analysis, which is a combination of all the studies published, which covered China and Europe, these were the places where previously studies had been done. It was 31%. So 44% versus 31%. So in comparison with the other studies published, we had more lung function impairment and, and in terms of comorbidities, which we spoke about, you know, as I said, that 72% of our population had comorbidities. In a Chinese cohort, a Chinese population of exactly the same age, which is an average age of 48 years, 
the comorbidities were 40%. So we have a clear 30% higher comorbidities than the Chinese group. So these were probably the major differences. So I just wanted to make one point sure. with regard to your previous question on comorbidities. Uh, so we said comorbidities means, uh, you know, we, we said, you know, we always knew that people with comorbidities had more severe COVID. People with comorbidities died more. That was uh, kind of foundational knowledge at the time of COVID. Also, we know that people with comorbidities have more severe disease. And our study shows that the more severe the initial COVID infection, the more affected the lung. So the residual damage to the lung is proportionate to the uh, severity of initial disease. So that is, that's another uh, factor that we need to bear and in mind. And by initial disease, in all cases, those affected by Delta have had worse uh, lung damage than those, for example, who've had a bad out case outbreak of, for example, Omicron uh, or some of the other uh, variants and subvariants. Is that right? Absolutely right. So critical, severe, uh, moderate, and mild. So in this category, the mild would have the least damage and the critical and severe would have the highest damage. Ultimately, um, Dr. Balal, why don't you take this question? It's about the quality of life, which has been impacted for millions of people in India around the world, billions, not millions. Um, you know, with the lung damage which people have suffered, uh, the long COVID that's happening, it's not something that necessarily will just go away. People will just need to adjust and live with it, right? Uh, there's always a silver lining at the end of a cloud. And I think the silver lining is that uh, we have come out of uh, COVID much better than many other countries. And of course, the hope is that even people with uh, uh, respiratory damage that's long term have good uh, ways of or good uh, therapeutic means like pulmonary rehabilitation, nutrition, oxygen support, counseling them on lifestyle modifications. And of course, the pulmonologists also have drugs that can improve the inflammation of the lungs. So it's not at the end of the world. Certainly, there is going to be some discomfort. And a few might actually have severe damage that requires lung transplantation. But it's not like we have lost all hope. Uh, the good news is we have come out of uh, COVID, uh, I wouldn't say unscathed, but less scared than the rest of the world. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you all very much for joining us. Um, Dr. Garg, you had a point to make. Go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, because when we talk about quality of life, that means we are talking of different domains. When we are talking of different domains, we are talking of six, you know, domains, whether we talk of physical domain, whether we talk of interpersonal domains, social domain, you know, so that way, you know, when we see overall, you know, COVID affects, you know, the person as a whole, when we talk of fatigue, when we talk of fogging, when we talk of forgetfulness, so we can see that all domains, whether we talk of you know, any of the domains, they are all affected by uh, COVID as a whole, you know. So overall, any disease is, uh, we have gone through very bad phase of HIV infection also in recent past. So, you know, when we talk of quality of life, we have to express in terms of domains also. So it has overall affected the quality of life of the individual as a whole. And both, you know, our Lancet Commission study and the study which has been completed in Delhi also, they have come up with the similar findings that long-term COVID is definitely affecting not only the quality of life but overall you know the in terms of presentation of symptoms also and uh, that is very important we noted all right uh, you know a frightening reminder of how this has impacted us in so many ways i'd like to thank you all very much for joining us and sharing this very important data thank you very much